We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, at the risk of burying the lead here, Joe, what do the Browns do? <laughs> what do the Browns do? The Browns Man. call Matt Ryan and see if he wants to play football again. Yeah, they, they, got, I guess. they do something. I mean, they. Josh Dobbs said on a podcast uh, earlier in the week that his agent told him he was either going to the Vikings or the Browns. So they wow. were trying to reacquire him, which to me says they have no confidence in the two quarterbacks that are now there. They're healthy quarterbacks, right? PJ Walker and uh, Thompson Robinson. Yeah, I think I think they do something. I mean, you almost have to. They're they're currently in a. Well, let me look real quick. Are they in a playoff spot? They right are. Now? They uh, are. They're they, close. They, they are. They're in sixth. Yeah, they're, they're six in sixth three. right now. Yeah, yeah. And they've got Pittsburgh coming up, which is a big game for them. They're still favored, by the way, despite the fact that Watson is out. Um, do they? Or is there a projection of who's going to start? PJ Walker. I guess Walker is yeah. Walker's been the backup and started their last game that Watson didn't play. So Walker again is the guy for that. But they just tried to replace him at the deadline. So I can't. Carson Wentz is no longer available. Um, I mean, who's who's out there? Like your Nick Foles and Joe Flacco's of the world. Like I don't know how Tom much Brady. better Tom, Tom, Tom Brady. Yeah. Hey, Philip Rivers almost came out of retirement to play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like when he, co- I don't know. Like you start calling retired guys today. I think if you're the Browns, yeah. And 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 I mean, it's week eleven, right? I mean, uh, those guys would have to come in, yep. get the playbook, get in shape. I guess. I mean, you could do it. You could do it. I, I think maybe their best move might be someone on a practice squad somewhere too. Yeah, um, maybe. You know. Go grab somebody who's out there, and you think, okay, you're going to get a job. You come here and like look at the Man. look at the players that Stefanski has coached before, and you know maybe there's someone there they can go out and get. But it's a it's a big loss for them. It actually also is unfortunately due to the injury an opportunity for other teams around them. If you think that you know Watson is a is going to really hamper their chances, well, now you got Cincinnati, Indy, Buffalo. The Bills are behind the Colts in the AFC standings right now, Joe. Behind the Colts, <laughs> that's that's bad. That's that's pretty tough. They're Guard- tied with the Raiders. They have the they have the ten seed. Raiders would have eleven. Colts would have nine. Aiden, right now. Nine Aiden, Aiden O'Connell and Gardner Minshew is where they're at in mm-hmm. the standings. The the Browns, I do think it hampers their chances a lot. I mean, their defense. They're the Jets now. Like before, I thought they were better than the Jets. The record says they're better than the Jets. Why? Because mm-hmm. their defense is actually arguably even better. Cleveland might have a historically good defense. Um, compared to the Jets, who are, you know, maybe not historical, but they're also dominant. The Browns, though, have had a middle-of-the-road quarterback. Like, if you go back through Watson's last four or five starts, no, he's not been great. He's not been back to what he used to be. He's been a middle-of-the-road quarterback. I mean, last week against Baltimore, he was bad in the first half, and then he didn't throw an incompletion in the second half, and that's how they came back and won, plus a pick six that they got lucky on. But, like, 
that was their formula. Best defense in the league and a middle-of-the-road quarterback. And now they're the Jets. Best defense in the league, but you're about to have nothing at quarterback. Joe, where do you think the Bills rank in overall net points in the AFC? Net points. Oh, point differential? They are... Point differential. Thank you. Sorry. Point differential in the AFC. They're like... They got to be like second or third still, don't they? Yeah, they're second. Yeah. And they're even ahead of Miami, even though they had a 70-point outing. They're only behind Baltimore. By the way, Baltimore is almost... I mean, like, 113 is great. They lead the league. 113. Baltimore. The Bills are 78, plus 78. I mean, I I understand that three weeks of a stretch where they you know scored a lot of points and got fat, but I think we're kind of beyond that. They've also played seven other games, and everybody's had games where they played teams that they could get fat or whatever. It's still an indication to me that I don't think this team is awful by any stretch, but to be 5-5 five and five is just, I mean, nobody would have seen that coming here, right? I mean, we're 10 games in, 5-5, five and five, even in worst-case scenario. If I said to you before the season started, Joe, like, okay, after 10 games – we're having a conversation about, hey, what's wrong with the Bills? Why would that be? Maybe you'd be like, yeah, they're probably six and four, fighting it, five and five. I mean, maybe that would be worst case. I, I don't think this team is awful. I think that there are parts of this team that have to be a lot better, including the offense, which is why the move was made yesterday. But I mean, we can talk all we want about weeks two, three, four, and what happened there. I mean, we're ten weeks in, and there's still the numbers are still there that say that they should be, should be better in the win-loss column than they are. I mean, I think they're awful by their own standard. Like, to me, that's... Sure, I think, that's right, that's like, right. To me, this yes. is as bad as they get. I, I don't... Does it get worse than this? Is this like, rock bottom? I, I think so. I don't think... For this group, for this group right now, I mean, in the present time. I don't even think any any group that has Josh Allen at quarterback can, can be... I don't think you can be worse than this with Josh Allen as your quarterback. Could could they ever be a truly awful team where they're down in the dumps with New England and Carolina when Allen's their quarterback? Like I don't think that's that's humanly possible. No. I think this I is rock so. bottom. I think like you mentioned, like yeah, point differential in the season they still are up there, but what right now what are they or what are they in like the last month? Like they're 21st in point differential in the last mm-hmm. 6 games. Yep. And like, I think we all recognize that that's the problem. Like, on the season as a whole, it hasn't looked this bad all season. They did look great against the Raiders and the Commanders, and especially the Dolphins. They've had a few games, which is maybe why you have some fans out there that still believe, hey, they can get back to that because they did do it this year. But we're going on we're going on over a month now. It has been six games where they either haven't looked right, they haven't put bad teams away, that minus six point differential in in the last month plus of the season since the Jacksonville game, so like I agree they're not awful, but I don't really think they're capable of being re- truly awful. I think by their standards, this is awful. But I'm I'm I am after yesterday's move hopeful that that it will improve because again I don't really think it can get much worse. I mean it's so funny to talk like this because I remember we all do right. I mean. Eight nine years ago, they're five and five right now. We're throwing parties and loving the fact they're in the hunt. Yeah, they're in the hunt. On CBS. <laughs> when it comes up now, it's just it's a different standard, no doubt about it. And that's right. But that's why we are where we are today, which is as I said, not to bury the lead, but the lead is, of course, we are now one day removed. It was less than twenty four hours ago that we found out that Ken Dorsey was fired, and the team will move on to Joe Brady right now as the interim. So we're going to talk about that today. Our buddy John Scott from Spectrum News One is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. 
you know, we, we, we dissect it. We talked about, talk about it. You've been talking about it all morning. I joined you yesterday. Um, we'll get a fresh perspective. We'll see what John has to say, you know, why he thinks this move was made justified or not. Um, at this point where they go from here. So we'll get John's perspective on that. Also, I saw an article from Chris Trapasso from CBS sports who wrote about Mm -hmm. Joe Brady's offense at LSU. Now, Mm -hmm. I think we all understand Joe that even, even, even Chris writes in the article, like you, you don't have the kind of advantage with the players he had at LSU versus the rest of the world. Like he, in the NFL, right? I mean, Burrow, Chase, Jefferson, Clyde edwards Alaire, but, I think we can gain a little bit of knowledge about Burrow's offense and what I'm sorry, um, uh, Brady's offense and what he did with that group and maybe what we can expect when we talk with Chris Trapasso. We'll do that at 11.05. Paul Hamilton will join us at the um, bottom of that hour, 11.30. Sabres last night. I didn't I didn't have Paul's schedule, but then I went to the game last night and not only did they lose the way they did, Joe, but now Tage Thompson is out for quite a while. And that's obviously something to, to deal with and think yep. about. So we'll do that as well. We'll talk a call. Um, in the meantime, 803-0550 is the number. Here's the deal today. Normally on a Wednesday, I'm doing the show at the stadium because Sean McDermott speaks right at 12 noon. Today he will not speak until 12.45 p.m. So I'll head down there from Studio Capaccio uh, right after the show at noon. We'll hear from Sean McDermott at 12.45 p.m. We'll have that uh, sound for you at WGR550.com and on the Odyssey app. And then I will also... Um, be down there for uh, players to hear what Josh Allen says, what Von Miller says in the locker room. The team has a walkthrough today, Joe. We will not get a chance to see Joe Brady coaching Josh Allen today. We will get a chance to hear from Josh Allen afterwards. The media is not going to be at the walkthrough or allowed inside that to view it. And then we will hear from Joe Brady tomorrow. So that's your schedule today. Let's advance the story, though, and I'll ask you. Mm-hmm. like what, what kind of significant changes would you think or expect in a situation like this 11 weeks into the year making a change to the offensive coordinator position um yeah. you know on the fly like this do you do, in a short week by the way like do you think they're going to come out with some yeah. are yeah. we going to are we i guess the way the way to ask you Joe are we going to be three drives into the game a quarter into the game against the jets and go okay this looks different than what we've seen I want it's it's tough it's tough to know right but I, I want to believe yes I want to believe that what like I, I got the Dan Orlovsky from the Pat McAfee show clips stuck in my head from yesterday where he called the Bills the easiest defense to prepare for in the league where they were on a, like three different run plays and it's a lot of the same concepts the corner in route like flat like they just run a lot of the same stuff under Ken Dorsey and. I kind of want to believe it's hard to do the same as that. It's hard to do worse than that in terms of predictability, if that's true. So, yeah, I want to believe that they'll look different. Um, they will not have, I don't think, a completely different installed offense. You can't do that in a short week. No. But are there chapters in that book of plays that Dorsey didn't call very often and that Brady's going to go, oh, well, this play – that has motion built into it, and I've got Davis running this route that crosses with Diggs, and that's going to create misdirection in the secondary. Well, we've only called that play one time all year. Let me let me let me let me fire that up a couple of times in this game. Like I don't know, it's just an example, a hypothetical that there's a book of plays in there, and maybe you know Dorsey called some plays with more regularity than Brady will. So that's one part of it, and another part that I I hope is. A, a something that maybe the coordinator now likes 
versus the old coordinator is motion. And the Bills actually have a pretty good track record when they run motion, which is not that often, so it's a much smaller sample size than especially your like Shanahan-style offenses like the Niners and the Dolphins. But the Bills, when they run motion this year, are great. Which, you know, not that unsurprising. And I, and I and I think, Joe, not to cut you off, but I think that's something that Trapasso identified when he yeah. went yeah. back and looked at the LSU offense. It was just just about the oh not not didn't even know that the LSU. I mean, I yeah. might have assumed that. But I do know offhand here that when that full season twenty twenty, when Joe Brady was the coordinator in Carolina, they were number two in the NFL in the amount of motion they used. So again, that could be personnel related and you have Gabe Davis instead of Curtis Samuel. You know that that might impact how much you run motion, different types of receivers, um, but that's one element of it. I, I would hope that yeah, they look a little more creative and they they there's an extra spice to the offense than what they had under the previous coordinator. All right, let's bang out some calls before we get to John Scott at the bottom of the hour. Eight oh three oh five fifty, the extra point show here today. Sal Capaccio, sneaky Joe DiBiase. One day after the Bills fire offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Also. You could check the um, Odyssey podcast. It's always game day in Buffalo. We did an emergency pod yesterday, Matt Bove and me. Check that out as well. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you pod, and also on the Cell Sports YouTube page. Let's go to Ken. Uh, I'm sorry, Jack in Kenmore. Hi, Jack. Go ahead. You're on the air. Not the scheme anymore. We have Jack. It's not any- go ahead, Jack. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Jack. I, did, I, caught, I didn't catch your very first part. Now you're on the air. Go ahead, buddy. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, buddy. We got you. Okay. Here, here's my opinion. The scheme doesn't matter anymore. Under the center, in the shotgun. I think there's more to go with this team because I think it has cancer in the locker room. That's my opinion, okay? And why are we fighting the quarter? Even though I said two uh, two weeks ago they should get rid of him, they should get rid of the special teams guy. He was the guy that caused this problem. And the head coach fired the coordinator because you know why? He's trying to save his job. That's what I believe, and I would like your answer. Thank you for taking my call. Do you want to? Do you want to hold on, Jack, or do you want to hang up? What do you want to do, buddy? I'm going to hang on and listen to you what you got to say. Uh, okay, my, my hey, I have a question for you first. I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a question yeah. for you first. Okay. Um, yeah, where sure. where do you think, as you describe the cancer, where do you think the problem is in locker room? Are you saying that Matthew Smiley's the problem is? in locker room? Yes. You want me to tell you exactly who it is? Well, sure, I think if you is. think you know or your opinion is, yeah. Okay, yes, I do. I think I know because he wants the ball all the time. He wants to be the man. And he's a great player. I'm not I'm not arguing that. He's a great player. But you can't, you can't, you know what? When he gets in his face sometimes, he should say to him, you want to be the quarterback? You can be the quarterback if you want to. That's just my opinion, and I think he's the problem. So, Stephon Diggs, you're, not you're saying Stephon Diggs is a cancer in the locker room, and that's what's causing yes, it. Yes, I, I do. I do. I got you. I think because he, okay, he wants the ball all the time. He gets it. He gets it. He leads the league in targets. He gets the ball all the time. He leads the league in targets, Jack, or at least he's second. I understand that. I understand that. Because, but he has an attitude problem. I believe that. Okay. It's a team okay. game. It's a team game. Yeah. Isn't it a team game? Okay, thanks. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate the phone call. Anything you want to say about that, Joe? What do I want to say about that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I Diggs discourse. I don't know. I wonder about Diggs. Not like that. 
I, not not like that. Whether he's a cancer in the locker room or anything of the sort, I, I don't think that's the problem. Do we have any sign that there's a locker room problem? I don't even know. Like there could be. How how could you know? How could you know if there was a problem in the locker he's room? He's an he's an easy target if you think there is. I will say, and that. that's why he's I an, think the digs. He's discourse. an easy target. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like right. So Jack Jack says there's a problem in the locker room, and if you believe that, Stephon Diggs is the easiest target on that. Let me address the Matthew Smiley. Yeah. Special teams. <laughs> Excuse me. Question yeah. comment that he said. Um, he said Jack said he fires. Dorsey and not Smiley or however he put it to save his own job. Look, I think Joe and I are on the same page here, Jack, where we would both tell you, I don't think Sean McDermott is trying to save his job because I don't think Sean McDermott's job is in danger. Like I, I can't see Terry Pagula firing Sean McDermott. So I don't think he's making moves to save his job, if that makes sense. Agreed. Yep. Don't totally agree. All right. Let's go to um, Clover in Texas. Hi, Clover. Hey, good morning, Sam Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you got it. Yeah, sad, uh, sad to hear. You know, Dorsey didn't work out, but I'm really optimistic about Joe Brady. I heard Sal talking with Howard and Joe this morning about his personality, and then McDermott saying yesterday at the press conference that he had some good ideas. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. And I was just wondering, do you think McDermott got to a, a, just a level of frustration with how the defense is playing? I mean, I heard you say that there is only a handful of starters left on defense. They seem to be mm-hmm. playing at a high level. Um, I meant, heard you mention the Denver game. They're just making stop after stop, and it just, you know, the offense couldn't pull their weight. And then they brought in, you know, the two new guys, Rasul Douglas, and I'm I, sorry, I don't know, remember the lineman's name. So they're obviously going for it. I mean, you know, still on defense. And I noticed the, the players, they just had, they said there was a team meeting, but it was just on offense. So I think McDermott is like, we are playing at a high level, even with all these players we have out. I mean, the only player on offense, I know they have out really is Dawson Knox. And I think, I mean, to me, it seems like this offense should be able to score 27, 30 points in their sleep every week. So I just think. Well, you know, yes, Clover. I think the answer to your question is yes. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use a term that people have hated to hear the last two weeks. Complimentary football. See, that's what yeah. it is, right? When you have five starters out on defense and they're holding on for dear life. And the offense isn't giving them an opportunity to say, like, hey, we got to score a few more points here. That's what complimentary football is. Nobody wants to hear it, but that's what it is. Play better. When one side, what complimentary football is, what's a compliment to something? You know, I don't know. Ketchup and mustard's a compliment. Batman and Robin, whatever you want to use. When there is one group not doing everything what they need to, the other one lifts them up a little bit, and you have to balance all of that. That is complimentary football. I know people don't want to hear it. But that's the term, and that's what it means, right? So to answer your question, Clover, yeah, Joe, I think Sean's comments were revealing after the game. He mm-hmm. said five starters out on defense. They played their butts off. I'm really proud of them. Wasn't that kind of a shot at the offense in a way? A- absolutely. I think absolutely. Yes. A-, a recognition from even him that like the defense played and has been playing well enough yes. to win these games. I mean, the caller, Clover, says that they can – they should this is this is i think completely accurate they're not doing it but they should be able to score 27 to 30 points in their sleep and i agree with that this quarterback that receiver and by the way here we go again I've got another chart in front of me that Ben Baldwin just put out the bills are the best pass blocking offensive line in the NFL so why isn't it happening 27 to 30 is a completely reasonable minimum, I think, a floor to ask of this offense. And, you know, like, 
I like the Batman and Robin analogy. The the Batman should be the offense. And it feels like the Robin has been the offense for a lot of the past few weeks to month where the defense is doing all they can. They can't be Batman. They they can't. They they don't have they have too many injuries. So, you know, you've got you've got what's his face down in the in the Batcave. He won't come out. Like that's that to me is the offense <laughs> right it. now. Like what's Robin's begging for Batman to come out and help and like he's just yeah. Yeah. Why, why can't I think of the, the what's the character? But that name? is that is I know I know. Um, I keep thinking it's not Gordon uh, Commissioner Gordon. No, um, no, no, no. Bat- Batman. Um, like who Batman is in real Batman life? Batman and Robin. This oh, is so bad. Like from 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 back in the day, Batman. No, but like like you talking about the cartoon guy? Who? You, what are you talking about? T- <laughs> like what is Batman's real name in the movies? Oh. <laughs> Why this is so bad, uh, Batman? I shouldn't have you stopped this here. Somebody's somebody's gonna somebody's gonna tweet at us. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Thank you. Bruce Wayne. You guys are right I know. I was I see you. You're out of here. Oh you're out of here. I'm walking. I'm walking off. This is bad. It's a, yeah, but, oh it's been up a while. We're we're fine. Anyways. Um. Yes, there was another point you made in there I want to touch on, but you know what? Let's do it this way. Let's uh, let's take a timeout. We'll have John Scott on. We'll get his perspective. I know we got some phone calls. Hold on, we'll get to you. You know, before the next hour, we get Trish, Chris Trapasso as well. While Joe does uh, a bit of a walk of shame around the <laughs> studio over there, but I didn't help him either. We're not knowing Bruce Wayne. I think we were all caught up in that. We're going to get tons of getting a lot of hate and yeah. a lot of making fun of us, but we deserve it on that one. All right, we'll take a timeout here. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Jody Biasi. It's the Extra Point Show on WGR. All right, let's head out to the West Her Hotline. Our guy John Scott joins us from Spectrum News One. We've been talking a lot about, you know, the firing of Ken Dorsey, and you've heard a lot of our opinions. Wanted to get a another uh, fresh perspective on it. So John joins us here, as I said, on the West Her Hotline. John, good morning to you, man. What's going on? Well, you know, just another day covering this team, even uh, when it seems like we were starting to get in a little lull the past couple seasons of losing drama and. and big changes because they're such a consistently winning football team. And yesterday giving us a little blast from the past of, of what we became so accustomed to in the drought years. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, so just your general thoughts on how much this was justified, how long maybe it had been justified before it happened, and you know where this organization, where this offense lies and what they can do going forward. I was incredibly critical of Ken Dorsey coming out of the Cincinnati game. I thought so much of their issues had finally reached a a fever pitch after that loss. I actually put almost all of the onus for the struggles against Denver on the players. I mean, they're dropping the football. They're turning it over. Penalties. The execution, that phrase that we've heard so many times over the past six-plus weeks here surrounding this offense, it was an execution issue. It was on the players, which was so ironic considering the big story going into it was a players-only meeting talking about what they can do to make this offense operate better. But as Sean McDermott made perfectly clear yesterday, 
it was not a one-game thing. It was a 10-game thing. And I think we all can agree, maybe two and a half out of the 10, three if you include maybe half of the Washington game and half of the Tampa game, so we'll go three out of 10. That's the only time that this Bills offense has looked good. And I think in totality, it was warranted to move on from Ken Dorsey. I think the timing is interesting. And maybe playing so well in the first half of the Tampa game delayed this. Because I think, ideally, you wouldn't want to make this bold move on a short week. It would have been a lot better of a transition in a week and a half, like they had coming out of Thursday night. It didn't happen, obviously. But I don't disagree with the decision. I think if you go to the back half of last season and even 10 games this year, I think it's more than an appropriate sample size to feel Ken Dorsey just wasn't progressing as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, and this offense has taken a pretty big step back. John Scott on the Western Hotline. What about Josh Allen's, I don't know, culpability in this? I mean, I don't know what word I want to use here, John, but he just hasn't been himself. And as you said, he's making mistakes too. But how much of that is on Josh Allen? How much of that from your perspective is on Ken Dorsey and play calling and scheme and mental space? I think it's collective. I think maybe we are gaining a greater appreciation for the personal relationship Brian Dable had with Josh Allen. The ability that he had to connect to Josh Allen and maybe from the mental side of things steer him back on track or instill confidence and and instill the right decision-making into Josh Allen. Because as you've made a good point, there are some things with Josh we're just going to have to live with. It's the type of player that he is. It's what makes him great, but it's also what ultimately will maybe take him back a couple steps in terms of turning the football over. But some of the turnovers this season, I would say, honestly, the majority of them have not been because he's trying to be a gunslinger. He just seems to not be reading the field well. He seems indecisive, and I don't know if it's this directive. And I honestly would believe the directive of don't run as much would not come from Ken Dorsey. I would actually probably assume it's coming from above, and McDermott's kind of made that clear. I feel like he just he's in this weird place of, what do I do? I don't want to turn the football over. I don't want to run because they don't want me to run. But you're putting him in a box that I think maybe has jumbled him up in the mental space to where he's not being able to be the free Josh Allen. You can put some of that on Ken Dorsey because I think as the offensive coordinator, he's the direct one who should be able to help him navigate and sift through all of that processing. So some of it on Dorsey, but Josh is the one throwing the football. And there's plenty of people that do the all 22 stuff that have made many examples of where the throws are there in terms of people being open. Josh either isn't seeing it or choosing to go a different direction. And I think priority number one for whether it's Joe Brady in, in the immediate or someone else in 2024, number one priority is get Josh Allen back on track. Cause I'm not going to say he's broken, but he certainly is a shell of what he's been in the past. John Scott on the Wester Hotline. John, how different do you think it could look? Like, what's your expectation for their offense, both this week, short week, six days, and even, you know, the rest of the season? They'll have a bye at some point. Are you thinking that we'll notice a difference between Brady and Dorsey? I think the only way you can do it is the actual play calling. I think conceptually, scheme-wise, I think I don't know – with Joe Brady, how he differs from Ken Dorsey. But I think starting game 11 into the season, I don't think you can make drastic changes in the terms of 
the core of what they're going to do. I do think there could be some tweaks, and I think more so than anything, and McDermott also said this, it's on Josh Allen, and I think it's priority number one of Joe Brady. you got to get with your quarterback and say, what do you feel most comfortable with? What do you feel we as an offensive unit do best when things are humming, when you're confident, when you have that energy that McDermott repeatedly said on the call yesterday is lacking? What are we doing offensively in those moments? And I think you just lean into it. This idea of keeping Josh from running, not going up tempo because of field position or what it may do if you get off the field quickly for the defense that's battered and bruised, it should all go out the window. If Josh Allen goes to Joe Brady and says, hey, I like up tempo, I like doing this, let's call some designed runs, that's that's what they need to do. I think Josh Allen almost needs to be the lead of how Joe Brady operates the offense. And he puts a little spin on it, but at five and five with the daunting task ahead, I think he'd just open it up and say, screw it. And to me, that's what Joe Brady needs to do. And I think that's maybe what Joe Brady is going to do without knowing and having a great large sample size of truly who he is as a play caller. We're going to hear from Joe Brady tomorrow for the first time for the media. And I know you'll be down there. We'll talk with him. But I, you touched on something earlier. And I just think this is a big part of it, John. When I listened to Sean yesterday, he talks about energy and confidence. And these are words he's used for a while. I just feel like there's a connection that needs to be reestablished between the quarterback, maybe the entire offense, and the people on the offense with the offensive coordinator. We all know you covered Brian Dable. Um, uh, Ken Dorsey is a far, far different personality from Brian Dable. And I'm not here to judge and say, like, you have to be one way or the other. We all know great coaches come in different, you know, types of personalities all over. We know that. But it does feel like this group needs a different kind of tone and atmosphere. And that's Ken Dorsey doesn't bring that certain energy. I just feel like this has got to be a part of it here after listening to Sean. 100%. And. I know Tim Graham wrote an article in The Athletic going into the Denver game about it doesn't look like the Bills are having fun anymore. When is right. The time you saw Agreed. Do a, do, a tri- do a trick play or the, the idea of, of motion and moving around and, and jumping around. Honestly, you look at, like, the Gabe Davis two-point conversion, just look at his celebration. It was the – like, it almost seemed like mad. He catches the pass throws the ball off to the side. That's not how this team operates. Like they almost play, let's seem like at moments when they succeed, it's like an angry succession, a, a, a success story rather than this jubilation and stuff like that. I, I agree. The vibe, the look, everything just has not looked the same since Kansas city a year ago. You saw it a little bit in the Miami game. And I'd say outside of that, even when they were successful against Vegas and at moments against Washington and other points of this season and even last, it didn't look or feel the same. And so I completely agree with you. I think when you hear the head coach coming off of this decision at an interesting point that I would call uncharacteristic, and granted, there haven't really been circumstances to warrant Sean McDermott making a midseason change or anything like that, but this is going out of his comfort zone, out of his, his norm. And to make this decision at this point in the year and say the things that he said coming out of it, I wholeheartedly agree. It's about execution, and that falls on the players. But the coordinator, Mm -hmm. I think, is independent of that. But all of the other things, he wasn't mentioning really execution. As you pointed out, it was energy, it was confidence, it was consistency. And I think 
that's a vibe that can be resonated and, and felt from the coordinator through the quarterback, and the quarterback then drives everything else. How do you and what you know of? Go ahead, go ahead Joe, real quick. Yeah, go I ahead. was just going to ask, like, how how you might lean in terms of like run to pass ratio and whether that will be effective affected by the change here. Like me and Jeremy got into this a little bit earlier. He's thinking like they'll run the ball more here. Like McDermott maybe has more of an opportunity to put his finger on the offense with an interim. But like I I look at Brady and think like the thing he kind of got into it with the coach in Carolina was was he was throwing the ball too much. So yeah. how, do you, how do you expect that to look? Well, he's a passing game coordinator for the most prolific offense in the history of college football, led by <laughs> a quarterback who we know is incredibly talented, gifted, and prolific not only in college, but has turned that into the NFL and Joe Burrow. To me, especially at 5-5, five and, five, and, when, and when Sean says, yes, this is partially a projection for Joe Brady, but I want to see who he is. This is a, a seven-game audition to see if Joe Brady should be the new voice, the new vibe for this offense moving forward. If Sean McDermott is going to say that, and this is a seven-game trial for Joe Brady, he better not be putting his hands too much in the mix because what kind of an evaluation is that? I think, and we don't know, but I know some people feel like Sean was kind of the reason that this let's throttle it down when we have a lead or let's lean into the running game a little bit more. They felt that that was directed from Sean. I have no idea about that, but what I want to see from Joe Brady and when this offense is at its best is not leaning into running the football. It's a true compliment to the passing game to keep defenses honest, but this is open it up and let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. And I think Joe Brady, again, limited sample size. Hopefully that's the way he's going to lean. And and that maybe is more to his expertise. They're not going to abandon it. James Cook has shown some flashes when he's holding on to the football. But look at James Cook's best game. He's not getting 25 touches, 25 carries. He's getting in the 12 to 15, 18 range. And it's when the passing game is allowing things to be freed up. I I think if you go back and say, all right, in the Josh Allen era, when is the Bills offense at their best? It certainly is not leaning more into the running game. It's opening things up, going faster, spreading it out, and let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. I have a couple thoughts on the whole doing what uh, McDermott wants, but that's something I want to save after the break to kind of just get to and talk about because before I let John go, I want to ask you, John, any thoughts on the Deshaun Watson and Browns situation? I mean, you're a guy that grew up watching a lot of Cleveland Browns football. You know the history. We've talked about it before, but my goodness. One thing I was telling some of my friends who – I'm from Cleveland, so they were – it's the doomsday. Oh, here we go again, very yeah. Cleveland-esque and things like that. I obviously have not watched a ton of Browns football and certainly not a lot of Browns football with Deshaun Watson on the field. Were they winning because of Deshaun Watson? Certainly. The second half against Baltimore, 14 of 14, which knowing that he did it with a broken shoulder, it was like the best half of football he's played in his Browns career. Mm-hmm. He did it with a broken yeah. shoulder. Outside of that, I don't know if the Browns were winning or losing games because of Deshaun Watson. Frankly, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at the first half of that game, he was horrible. I mean, he was mm-hmm. horrible. And there's been plenty of other moments. The Pittsburgh loss early in the season, he was horrible. And I'm not saying that maybe the Browns are better or whatever with Deshaun Watson not in the game. I mean, P.J. Walker, we know what he is. I don't know how much worse they are based upon the structure of the team and what they want to be. They are a run-first offense with an elite defense. 
that they were Super Bowl contenders based upon the level Deshaun Watson could get to. Do I think losing Deshaun Watson takes them out of that conversation? Certainly. Do I think they can still be a playoff team? Sure. Look at the teams that they're competing with probably for wild card spots. Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, Gardner Minshew and the Colts. Who knows what Cincinnati is? They've been wildly inconsistent. We know what the Bills are. You're looking at these teams that are going to be vying for the three wild card spots. They're not in that much of a better quarterback spot than the, the Browns are, and they certainly don't have their defense and offensive line. So uh, I'm not ready to write off the Browns. I think it does maybe open things up a little bit more for those chasing teams. And they're going to they're gonna have to fight, but their recipe for success has is, is not been predicated on the quarterback to this point. Their ceiling has been. So uh, while certainly unfortunate, and it looked like, at least for two quarters against Baltimore, he was ascending and finding his way a little better, by no means am I saying that, that the Browns should be counted out and, and they're a layup moving forward. And I will add to that. Like Josh, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned earlier, John, that Josh Dobbs said on a podcast earlier this week that the Browns were trying to get him back at the deadline. So, like, one, that could say something about their faith in the backups. But, two, I mean, doesn't that kind of show, like, if a couple games go by and P.J. Walker's not cutting it, that that team would be will Again, not much they could do, but they'd be willing to try something rather than teams like the Jets who are just going to go with the guy they have all season, I guess. Right, and I've seen a lot of this Dobbs stuff since it came out. Listen, the past two weeks have been an awesome, fun, great story. If you look at Josh Dobbs' stat line for the entire season – He's, he's not that good. I mean, there's a reason that guy's been on like three, four, five teams and been a backup quarterback. <laughs> it's a great story. I'm not taking anything away from it. But this assertion, just because of what you've seen for a game and a half in Minnesota, that Josh Dobbs would save the Bills, and they, or Browns, excuse me, and they would, they would still be this contender for the North and all of this, I think is a reach. And so, to me, he may be better than P.J. Walker, but what does that really say at this point in time? So, I just saw that Andrew Barry, their general manager, says they are going to be adding a quarterback. There are some, you know, who knows what they can do out there. But I just go back to even with Deshaun Watson, they wanted to run the football, whether that was with Nick Chubb, Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, whoever's back there, and then just rely on their defense to be as strong as they've been. That formula continues regardless of who's under center. All right, good stuff, buddy. I'll probably see you in like less than two hours down in the media room. You and uh, Kevin Carroll got the podcast reaction to Ken Dorsey, right? Yeah, we're going to do that today. We, we held off. I was kind of doing a couple other things yesterday. Wanted yep. to get thoughts of Josh another day removed with Sean and some of the other players to, to add that context. So, yeah, tonight we're going to be taping that this evening. It'll be on YouTube and all the podcast platforms later tonight. All right, buddy. See you down there in a little while. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yep. Uh, you got it. John Scott, Spectrum News 1. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back here, get a couple phone calls in. And, man, I, I, I want to talk about this, you know, doing what the head coach wants with the offensive coordinator. I just think that you can't have it both ways. I'll explain when I come back. All right, Joe, I'm going to say this, and I'll give this take, and then you just tell me if you think I'm right or wrong, okay? okay. I think... People want to have it both ways, and you can't. It's a contradiction to say. For months and months we've been hearing, even a year, well, Ken Dorsey's just doing what, running the offense Sean McDermott wants. He wants, this is what he wants. And then they fire the guy. He fires him. And now you're going to say, 
well, he's going to, Joe Brady's just going to do what McDermott wants. Wait a minute, wait, wait. So why would he fire him if he's doing what he wants? It doesn't make sense to me. It's a contradiction. Either he's not doing what he wants or it's, there's just no merit to that. I think it's confirmation bias. That's what I think it is. I think people want to know and want to tell you so much that the offense is strictly McDermott saying this and having so much input in it that this gets you to, well, so are you going to tell me now Joe Brady's going to do more of what he wants? Then why the hell did you fire him? Mm. I get, right. Where I land I, on Am that, I making sense or no? Yeah, I, yeah I, I think you are. Where I land where I land on that is, I, I mean, obviously, I do believe Sean McDermott has a level of influence over of what course, the offense is. Of course, he's the head coach, is. and he has a philosophy. Right. To what level of influence, I don't feel like I have a solid grasp on. And I do think, what even if McDermott, if, if, if you want to say McDermott's put handcuffs on a coordinator... It's still the coordinator's job to do the best job he can within that box. And to me, even if Dorsey was working within a box, it could be a lot better. I think that the passing concepts are pretty pedestrian. And, you know, if McDermott's telling yeah. Joe Brady, I want to start establishing the ground game more, well, I'm not going to love that. But I, I cannot imagine that it's not going to eventually look better and look different with some of the route concepts that, you know, whoever would come in would have. Right. I understand that, and you could, it, I guess, if you also think that, well, it's just optics then. It just doesn't make sense to me to say for a year plus, well, he's he's his puppet, he's doing what he wants, he's running, and then what? He fires him because he's, you can't, he's, why would he fire him if he's doing everything he wants? It doesn't make sense to me. You can't have it both ways. I don't think it's right, and I think it's a preconceived notion, and I've always said this, there is zero, zero evidence that this coach just wants to be some ground and pound run it. They throw the ball more than they run it all the time. They should have run the ball more against Cincinnati. They ran the ball eight times with running backs. Right? I mean, I just don't think that he's going in there going, you better be this. You better be that. I think it's do what do what you – hey, I have a philosophy, and when we get in certain situations, sure, we should lean on the running game more. But for the last whatever years, for six years now, we have evidence that they throw the ball with Josh Allen. And that's why he turns the ball over sometimes because he's sometimes reckless, gunslinger, whatever. I just think it's people who want to get you to and have always thought that's the way this coach operates, so it must be true that he's going to now replace him with somebody else who, what, does more of what he wants? I don't know. Then why are the guy? You can't tell me he's telling you, you can't tell me he's doing what you want, and then he fires him and say, well, he must not be doing what he wants. That's a contradiction. I just don't get it. That's the way I feel about it. So anyway, we'll take a timeout. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Jody Biasi. Got that off my chest. Uh, we're going to come back here with Tr- Chris Trapasso. We'll take your phone calls as well. Chris looked back at the LSU offense for from 2019 with Joe Brady running it and in Carolina, and he'll tell us what he found next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 